You're listening to Season 3 of the Hypotheticals Podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Adriano. And this episode is brought to you by our mysterious but wealthy patron of the arts who has assured us their million dollar check is in the post, second class. We don't ask questions of them. And neither should you. Adriano, I've been thinking... How would humanity change if we had to adapt to living with perpetual lightning storms? Ooh, that's very interesting because lightning storms obviously is like normally our most impressive weather, I would say. Well, yeah, 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 tornadoes and uh, yeah, stuff like that, I guess. But like it's it's kind of up there in like the general experience, like ooh, lightning storms. Yeah, there's there's nothing quite like sort of huddling inside when it's dark out and there's a lightning storm, especially if it's like Mm. a a really impressive one. Like I remember being in a... um, Sort of like uh, not a static caravan, but uh, maybe it was kind of a static caravan in uh, in America when this like enormous thunderstorm was going on. There like flashes every like few seconds, and you're in this like rickety little cabin like thing, and uh, it does not feel especially safe. And you can kind of understand why you know ancient people, a lot of them had thunder gods as the the main god because it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it really uh, shows you how small you are compared to nature, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So That was one of my thoughts. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, you know, obviously, if that's going on all the time, that's going to be kind of overwhelming. But then I guess it's just something that people would get used to. It's just like, just another day, you know, with all these deafening sounds going on and uh, all this, so. these flashes. Just like, yeah, whatever. And maybe a very still day would be like... <gasps> The gods, <laughs> the gods are angry with us. There's no uh, awful sounds and uh, continual flashing. That is exactly what I thought. Yeah, thunder gods, because like, yeah, that's clearly, you know, a sign of their rage, their potency. But yeah, you'd have a god of blue skies or something, wouldn't you? You wouldn't have Zeus as king of the gods. You'd have, um, I have no idea, some other guy just associated with, yeah, a calm day with not, not a cloud in the sky. People would be like, what? Yeah, because there'd be the, the fear of a sort of eerie silence. Yes, actually. Yeah, because we as creatures are very, and I'd say a lot of other creatures too, are like, like noise is a sign of danger. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just be used to it. We'd probably be a lot better at picking out, uh, like all the prey species would have had to like learn to pick out the sign of the predator, even over all of this rumbling and flashing and all the rest of it. So I wonder if the whole food chain would just be like effed because... <laughs> yeah. You know, just it's like a really different backdrop to have to try and evolve against. Yeah, I guess would you would everything have to evolve very high pitched voices to cut? Because obviously, all the bass is drowning out the kind of lower pitch sounds. Is that how it works? I didn't know how sound works. Um, but I yeah. I assume the higher pitches you could still hear fairly easily against that backdrop. Um, I think so. So yeah, um, you just have a lot of, you know, I don't know, uh, a tiger, but it's just a really high pitched growl. Oh, it would be like, uh, yeah, like the way house cats are really high-pitched tiger noises, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be like that, but like they go even higher. Yeah, because didn't those ancient shepherds invent that uh, whistling language for communicating from hilltop to hilltop? Because like that pitch was the, the sound that humans can make that could carry best across right, uh, right. distances and through wind and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, just be that. A lot of whistling. A lot of I think birds would be fine noise-wise, but... Big problem tree-wise. Yeah, yes. Um, right? Yeah, trees kind of have a raw deal in general in this scenario. Because um, mm. obviously trees tend to explode when they're hit by lightning. Because their they're sap yeah. expands because it becomes superheated. So, <laughs> so on the one hand, you know, all your trees are exploding whenever they're hit by lightning. But also, 
if you live in a fairly dry country, there's going to be loads of forest fires just all the Lower time. Fires, yeah. So like even more so than there are at the moment with you know climate change. Um, so like any dry country is basically going to turn into a savanna at best or a desert at worst. Yeah, it's problems, and I, it kind of. I don't know what would happen with these, like, weather stuff is really complicated, even just as it stands. Forget about, like, changing a variable like this. But um, I assume we'd have to assume a lot more rain in order to be getting all these lightning storms as well. Those are, like, connected, uh, right? Like, yeah, I, I storms guess storms so. I was kind of focused on the lightning, but I think in, like, uh, somewhere in America, is it the Midwest or the Northwest? And obviously in, like, Australia, they often have lightning storms with no rain at all because it sort of evaporates yeah. before it hits the ground. Um, oh, so obviously it has to exist to kind of create the uh, charge up in the clouds, but it just doesn't reach the ground, which is why they're so vulnerable to forest fires. So yeah, you'd, you'd have if you're in a wet country, you're probably a lot safer than if you're in uh, Australia or like California or something. Which is kind of already true, but just yeah, like, yeah more, just so. more so. It'll be yeah. fires out the wazoo. I don't think you'd have any forests because no. <laughs> trees just, right? There's no, It takes like however many decades to grow a full-sized tree mm. and then one lightning strike and it's just kablamo. <laughs> um, yeah, and if so, it's happening, you know, happen. all the time, it's... Well, I was thinking like, um, it might have a long-term impact on evolution. So mm. all your really tall plants just get pretty much wiped out. And so you yeah. have everything evolving to be smaller... Um, yeah. In terms of plants, bonsai land, or, at le- or also with animals, like so, you know, if you're a big uh, elephant, uh, just you know, roaming through the savanna, you're a big target, yeah. so you're gonna, you might get hit by lightning, um, and so over time, either they're gonna get smaller or they're just gonna get flatter, so like they'll stay, they'll have the yes. same amount of bulk, but sort of like imagine an elephant but with crocodile legs, so you know That's they come out exactly the side. Exactly where I went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that's what I think humans would be like too, because <laughs> we evolved from apes mm. that like have this whole tree dwelling thing going on. But you have to just remove the whole concept of a rainforest, because normally there's this mad dash to be tall, right? Because mm-hmm. that's where all the sunlight is. You've got to be tall so you can block out everyone else and photosynthesize like crazy, and then everyone else just develops a whole complex uh, ecosystem like on your trunk and branches. But forget. All of that. <laughs> Nothing is taller than a shrub now. So what are you going to do? And the answer is uh, reject humanity, become not monkey, as the meme says, but a crocodile. Yeah. and Because, yeah, we've spent all this time wasted evolving to walk upright. What's that doing <laughs> but making us a taller target? So yeah. what we need to do is basically um, uh, get like a skateboard and just roll roll around on that on your belly. Yeah, vehicles would have been much easier, actually, like carts and things. There'd be no horses or whatever. It's just it's just dudes, and by dudes, I mean crocodile people <laughs> on skateboards. And I'll go further. I reckon, um, first of all, it would be super handy, because, yeah, as I understand it, the whole sap overheating thing, like, the problem with lightning is, uh, I think, twofold. I, I never like to be too informed when we do these segments, <laughs> Yeah, but I had to you find out a, a little bit. You do a skim of the Wikipedia article, but you don't go to the, yeah. the references. <laughs> no, 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 it's like enough. <laughs> so <laughs> um, when humans get struck by lightning, it's less of a big deal than it is for trees, correct me if I'm wrong, because we're like 70% water, which is a pretty good conductor. So it just like mostly goes through. I think only like 10% of strikes are actually fatal or something. Yeah, and it, it can cause strikes. kind of long-term damage. Uh, so like nerve damage and stuff. But yeah, I think only yeah. about 10% are actually fatal. 
Right. So, I mean, you know, nobody's having a good time, but like we're not built for it. And trees definitely aren't built for it because the more resistance you have, the like less of a good conductor you are, then the more you superheat and that's when trees blow up. Mm-hmm. So you want to conduct as well as possible. I reckon we'd end up with like bones with like iron veins in them or something. You know what I mean? Like we'd be collecting because we already have iron in our blood i don't know how the body works but (laughs) if we are already like ingesting minerals and putting them in convenient places Mm. uh i can see like metallic bones being yeah real handy because like um one of the things they say in a lightning storm is if you're in your car stay in your car because it forms this faraday cage so basically if you're struck by lightning the lightning goes around the car into the earth and doesn't touch you inside the car because you've got metal all around you Um, so if you could have a sort of uh, flexible living skin of metal so that when you're struck by lightning it goes through your very outer skin and straight down to the ground uh, without touching your valuable inner organs that might be uh, that might be quite handy even better so forget about metal bones we're talking crocodile people yep. or like a kind of a smushed rhino person <laughs> yeah and exoskeleton wolverine if his metal was on the outside <laughs> yeah yeah, so you can either go the metal skeleton route, but you're right, it'll probably like heat up your flesh. I don't know. It's probably better if it's on the outside. Um, yeah, so you've got this like, I guess for flexibility, it would need to be like a metallic mesh. It's, it wouldn't be like metal plates. I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's it's kind of a bit like crocodiles, like very small scales. Yeah. Almost, like the chain mail, I don't know. metal content. There we go. Yeah, like natural chain mail. So you'd have these armoured, low to the ground... Uh, people, presumably still with opposable thumbs because they're like too useful mm-hmm. um, just whistling to each other the whole time uh, <laughs> stumping along like through the, the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just really high pitched over the constant rumbling <laughs> in the background and uh, stumping through like the undergrowth because all the trees are like tiny little pygmy trees, nothing's taller than a shrub because nobody wants to be the one that gets struck and um, I reckon we could go further and be cold blooded as well so are you just saying we turn into crocodiles is that is that it <laughs> yeah it's nature's perfect creature because like if you can rely on being struck by lightning periodically you know what i mean like we're like oh no don't don't strike me with lightning i'll get superheated and then that will cause like burns and tissue damage mm. right but like the intelligent person who's grown up around lightning is like yeah no strike me periodically uh, just warm me up a little bit. Right. So, like uh, reptiles now go out in the sun in the mornings to warm up uh, to right. raise their body Except temperature. There's no sun. There's no, no clouds. Now. Yeah, the sun is really just obscured by clouds the whole time. So instead, you sort of every now and then you have the ability still to stand up. So you stand up on your back legs, just sort of raise your hands to the yeah. heavens, get struck <laughs> by a load of lightning, pull down the lightning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you just raise like a crest on your back. Yeah. You know? Just like you tug a muscle and the spines just extend. Yeah, the metallic spines head up and uh, you're just immediately <laughs> struck by lightning, energized <laughs> and you're ready to go. The energy drink yeah. market is decimated because no one needs them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just chat like it's built in. No one would even think of it. Like coffee, who cares? <laughs> and all, and all the our coffee thing, trees have died. Is, does coffee grow on a tree? Yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, that's fine. They just, you know, they would be confused. They'd enter our dimension um, through some kind of very low portal mm-hmm. and be like, "What are you drinking, strange upright creature?" And we'd be like, "Oh, you know, it just gives me like a little jolt, like wakes me up in the morning." And they're like, "But surely the lightning <laughs> wakes you up." <laughs> The perpetual energy sent by the gods, the ones we don't care about, the ones we're not scared of. Yes, the benevolent gods. gods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They probably need a second heart as well. That's my other theory. Oh, in case um, one stops. 
Yeah, because apparently the, like most fatalities from lightning strikes in people are caused by cardiac arrest. Mm. Um, so, and, and apparently you can often save people, like if there's a defibrillator nearby, I think it's just about, you know, the, your muscles get shocked, that you go into arrhythmia. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you had like a second heart or just like a second biological pacemaker, because I think there's like a portion of the heart or like a type of tissue that regulates the yes. like mm-hmm. pace, right? So yeah, just like another one that can pick up if the first one goes off and like get you back in rhythm and you'd be, you'd be off to the races. You might want <laughs> nerves that like don't work the same way. I think nerve damage is the other big thing because yeah, the way we're wired, like almost literally wired for electrical uh, impulses to direct all our muscles and stuff. That's not great news for when you're being struck by lightning. Yeah. Well, one of the things I read up on uh, in my limited research for this is that there's two types, well, two broad types of, of lightning in this case. So you've got negative lightning where it's negatively charged, like I assume it's electrons that come down. Uh, and you, so that's like 95% of, a, of lightning strikes are negative. But there's positive ones as well. So that's where I think it must be positively charged ions or something. But anyway, they're much more powerful. So, you know, one out of every 20 times you're like raising your hands to the sky. You're ready for your morning (laughs) energy and bam, you get absolutely obliterated. And either you get obliterated or you are the most energetic and productive you've ever been (laughs) for the whole day. You are the alpha of the tribe. Yep. Like for this day. Yeah. That's how they choose their king. (laughs) That's interesting. I, w- I wonder if there's any kind of defense you could have against this uh, this positive lightning that I'm hearing about for the first time. <laughs> Maybe with enough negativity, with enough like cynicism and pessimism, you could just kind of like keep it at bay. I don't know. There's like there's probably rituals you could perform yep. uh, to these gods. But so we're all crocodile beasts, um, uh-huh. getting charged up by lightning, stumping around, going into comas at night or whatever when it's cold. But no, because I guess the lightning is pretty constant. So we'd probably like, you'd want to micro sleep, I guess, like between the strikes or, or maybe if you just lie down and lower your crest, then you're just, you're fine. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just imagining like, um, you know, wind up toys where they like move and then they like slow down and eventually stop. Mm. I'm imagining everyone moves like that between lightning strikes so you're like oh lightning i've got loads of energy and you move really quickly for like 10 minutes and then you slow down oh no no more energy kind of like robots basically (laughs) and then Mm. another lightning strike hits you and you're like yes and i'm off to the races (laughs) yeah so you know when people are like snoozing because they've got their crest raised up and they're waiting for that that strike (laughs) yeah i probably i wonder if it'd end up with either a more like hyperactive society or like a more chilled one because just like people understand like oh i haven't been struck in a while like you're gonna have a less productive afternoon you know like we're not gonna ask janet to do anything she's she's got her crest up like you know just you know don't don't put anything more on her plate for now or would it all just be like all go all the time because like ah like the energy never stops but so in this is the logic of this that it's like the heat from the lightning that is giving you energy because you're a (laughs) cold-blooded it's not like the electricity is is energizing you right (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess it's like seeping into cartoon logic yeah. where, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, some internal biological battery is being charged. That might be a little too far-fetched, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, like cold-blooded creatures are more active, like, when it's warm, right? And then they go into, like, a like a dormant state when it's cold to re- conserve energy, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, they, they basically, um, yeah, they move far more slowly when it's cold because their cells don't generate any heat themselves, so. There we go. Yeah. Okay, I've been th- right. So, uh, 
let's set aside. Can I can I set aside crocodile people just for a minute? Okay, you may. So let's imagine this that works. we have to survive as we are in our poor these poor <laughs> forms that we inhabit at the moment. Um, I was thinking, first of all, walking in an, any open space or near tall trees that, that those that are left becomes hazardous at all times. So if you want to go on a countryside walk, for example, you might need a sort of robotic lightning rod to follow you around on sort of caterpillar tracks, like an umbrella, mm. but it just kind of is behind you and very tall so that any lightning that does strike near you strikes that and not you. Could you not just have a backpack with a pole poking out of it and a wire trailing on the ground, or is that, like, too close to home? That's a bit close to home, isn't it? I don't know how it works. Like, you said if you sit in a car, then you're okay. Yeah, I, uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess everyone could just wear really long, loose chainmail that drags along the floor behind them. <laughs> just metal dresses. <laughs> yeah, it's the latest fashion, yeah. And special metal headdresses with a spike pointing up. <laughs> no, that that might be terrible because the metal would heat up a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can and see you a problem. Joust people with your superheated superheated metal spike. I can imagine the new sports being invented already, or the new forms of combat. I tell you what, hunting might be easier because I think the the birds and and tree dwelling creatures would have a really rough time. Right, all their protection. Normally, they they solve problems like how does a squirrel not get eaten by your dog? They go up. Right but now. There's no trees and stuff, so we'd have a lot more ready, um, you know. Yeah, and or you might just try and, and track down a really tall tree that hasn't yet been destroyed in a lightning storm, and uh, you just kind of camp out and wait for it to be hit by lightning. So instead of having people like driving the pheasants out of the bushes, you've got lightning driving birds out of trees, and that you can then shoot them. Oh yeah, no, that's perfect. That would do, that would lend a lot more. I think I've spoken before to how I don't really associate any heroism with like the traditional hunting experience mm-hmm. as performed by like tweed wearing uh, upper class people. Um, but yeah, add like a lot of lightning into the mix, and it would just be a lot more <laughs> badass. Yeah, um, but yeah, I was thinking, you know, uh, suddenly living in the countryside is very dangerous. Because mm. anytime you're out, you know, if you're a farmer or whatever, you're out in an open space, you're in danger. Um, so there might be like a mass migration to cities because you've got skyscrapers and they'll protect you from the lightning storm. So even more than now, there's already like this exodus from the countryside, but quite slowly, this would just like accelerate it massively. Yeah, farming would become an incredibly careful business. I feel like there'd be some ways of like uh, exploiting it. Like maybe you could... If you grew uh, tall crops, I'm thinking, for example, sweet corn, mm-hmm. um, you could potentially farm popcorn, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. This might be cartoon logic again. Uh, I don't know if, if it actually does, but it probably does, right? You just expose those little kernels to heat and then they pop, pop, pop. I guess they have to be dried kernels. Shoot. I don't know. It might be, it might be tricky. It might be super easy. I'm not sure how it works, but yeah, you need a lot of protection to be a farmer, a shepherd, anything like that. Yeah, a lot like of a, problems. Yeah, just a mech suit the whole time. Yeah. Or as you say, just a cheaper, like, maybe even just something you can drag along by a string, like on wheels, just a just a <laughs> lightning rod on wheels. Everyone's got like those cans, like just married cans, but they just drag them behind themselves. Like they yeah. uh, go and raid them off uh, off vehicles. Yeah, and they're attached to a tall spike thing, I guess, unless you want to crawl yeah. around. I do like the idea of mech suits in farming, though. Even, you know, setting aside lightning. Just like, I need to, you know, dig this trench. And they <laughs> just, like, run along with their, their arms, like, ploughing the earth. 
Yeah, there is something inherently more satisfying about a mech suit than like a traditional construction vehicle. Because that's still a mech, you know, like there's a person within the capsule. And then, you know, there's like one big arm for digging or one big scoop. And it's... it. I mean, they're kind of cool, and like, like almost every like boy or a lot of kids, like between certain age groups, are real keen on like trucks and diggers and stuff. So there's an allure, but Max, they appeal more to the teenage, teenager within. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's something a little more mature about giant Max. <laughs> and yeah, I'm an advocate. There's something about the bipedal structure, I think. Mm. And yeah, why are all these, you know, giant mech films about warfare? Why aren't they about farming? <laughs> That's what I want to see. Too right. I mean, I saw a, a short animated film one time, actually, uh, that featured... <laughs> it was literally farmers, like in an almost Wild Westy type setting, um, farming in big mechs. Oh, and, awesome! Yeah, I know, and it's all—they've got like that kind of like that yokelish way of talking. They've got like the straw poking out the side of their mouth, the straw hat, the dungarees. But they're in these big mech suits, and they're <laughs> using them to like till the field or whatever. And you're like, why are the mechs though? And then like when night falls, then they're like, oh, better go patrol the dome. And then it's like, what? And then they head to the border of their farm. There's a big energy dome being assaulted by like aliens and, and it's like ah oh, this is that kind of short film that and then there's a great. lot of shooting and stuff it's kind of fun yeah but i like i was enjoying the setting even like because mech shooting aliens i'm familiar i've seen starcraft stuff yeah but like people just farming <laughs> but in like badass mechs yeah that's a new one i like it and obviously uh you could power your mech suits with the lightning so um yes i was thinking <laughs> so like obviously uh, if you can harness the lightning somehow, then you could power houses and any sort of portable technology with lightning, mm-hmm. just with huge yep. lightning rods. But um, yeah, charge up your car so, so that everything sort of begins to resemble giant bumper cars, you know, because they've got that thing that points up and then connects to the electrical grid. Oh yeah, um, and trams and stuff. Yeah, so but it could lead to a sort of arms race. So similar to how trees are always, you know, they they've got taller and taller over time in order to try and outcompete oh, other trees right. to get the most sun you'll have a competition where you keep trying to get taller and taller lightning rods in order to kind mm-hmm. of catch the lightning over other people's lightning rods um god i had not thought of that it's true we already have a situation where if you live in a penthouse you're rich mm-hmm. right like being up is is social elevation as well as physical elevation but yeah, now you have a situation where you have your residential skyscraper and the richest dude is living in the penthouse and that person's lightning rod is is catching the lightning first and charging up everything within their apartment and then the <laughs> next one down is just getting the leftovers and so on and so forth. Yeah, you've got these graded, the dregs. graded skyscrapers where it's blazing light at the top and then just down to darkness at the bottom. <laughs> That'd be such a cool visual effect. But yeah, how awesome. I I think that's how we'd be getting all of our power. Like if electricity was so abundant, uh, we'd have discovered it way earlier. Mm -hmm. What's the deal with, was it Thomas Jefferson or someone had like a a key dangling from a kite string? Benjamin Franklin, wasn't it? Benjamin Franklin, that's the guy. One of those Americans. (laughs) (laughs) But that was like, I don't even know what century that was in. But you know, that experiment would have been done by like Pythagoras or someone like ages ago. If there was so much lightning, they wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. I guess the power, like, the, the sudden surplus of power would be offset by just constant power cuts, though. Unless unless there is no electrical mm. grid, it's just all localised. Like, you don't need to connect yeah. to a grid because you're getting all of it directly from above your house. 
Yeah, it, I think it goes either to, like either you just you have the grid, but you don't have traditional power stations. They're like somehow harnessing and storing the lightning uh, and and dispensing that energy, you know, continuously. Which is great news, by the way, because solar power is a non-starter. So much cloud cover. Yes. And I don't know whether you'd have. This is a bit of a tangent, but I don't know whether you how much oil or coal or natural gas you'd have. If this had been going on for like long enough for it to affect evolution and everything, um, why why do you think there would not be that? <laughs> well, I'm ignorant here, so I'm really not sure. I I'm, I think the oil isn't entirely huge dinosaurs. Like that's a myth that it's all dinosaur juice, and actually it's a lot about like ancient forests and stuff. Have I got that right? Uh, I'm not sure on the oil front. I know obviously you wouldn't have coal because coal is from trees, pretty much. Um, right exactly oil and gas i'm less certain it i I guess uh, probably a portion of it is from plant matter but whether that's trees or kind of smaller like it could even be from kind of you know very tiny plants like algae or something well this is what i'm wondering because first of all forget about your megafauna right because a t-rex is just asking to be blitzed (laughs) (laughs) it's too tall so there's no like giant dinosaurs to be compressed down into oil Mm -hmm. there's no forest to be compressed down into coal because as we discussed trees are a no-go so like yeah provided you could just get enough biomass of whatever vegetable matter then you probably have reserves of carbon essentially hydrocarbons of some kind but would you have enough plant matter because we're talking you know lightning strikes of anything too tall we're talking wildfires the whole time it's possible like our uh, our, our body yeah uh, our planet would not have been as good at like storing carbon for later use as it has been. Although, <laughs> I guess the other thing is why you may not collect loads of fossil fuels. Like, do you want to? Do you want to be storing a giant tanker of oil when there's like lightning striking constantly? Oh yeah, yeah. Like canisters of flammable stuff suddenly a big problem. Like, <laughs> gotta be safe how you handle that. Yeah. So on the other hand, going back to farming, um, there may be no more need for industrial fertilizers in this. So like, mm. um. Because lightning basically causes, when it strikes, it causes a reaction of nitrogen with oxygen uh, to oh. form nitrates, which is like the main part of most of our fertilizers. Like it's one of the main nutrients that plants need to grow uh, that right. they can't get from the air. Um, so you have to get it from the soil. Um, so at the moment, we produce this artificially, most of it, you know, um, using fossil fuels, uh, which results in a lot of CO2 emissions. But in this world, there's no need for that because you've got constant fertilization all around the planet. That's fantastic. I love that it would be kind of backwards because you'd have medieval farmers already with electric lights and everything, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's just, you know, how could you not have discovered it? Um, but they don't have to bother with, like, uh, the three-field system and, like, crop rotation and, you know, forget about using clover as a nitrogen fixer or whatever. Why would you even... What's a nitrogen fixer? The gods just dispense lightning. It's fine. <laughs> The field never runs out. <laughs> yeah, there's no need to rotate your crops. It's all it's all corn all the time. Popcorn for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> popcorn. I'm starting to see a lot of advantages to this system. Yeah, there's no need for like you probably wouldn't need street lights at all. I was thinking you'd have that, like yeah. ambient light lighting, right, just from the, the constant storms. <laughs> yeah, you, so that's you're savings. like reading your kid a book at night times like. And then the the dinosaur, which doesn't exist, uh, <laughs> and then the dinosaur. Oh, it's gone dark. Wait a second. Went to the zoo and he saw <laughs> lots of other dinosaurs and <laughs> it's just, you've got to read everything and like do everything in starts because you can't see half the time. Yeah, you just get used to this kind of more stop-start way of living, but like that's just what you're used to. So it's, it's just like your heartbeat's intermittent, the light's intermittent. It's just that's, 
how it is. And dinosaurs are mythical creatures akin to dragons, obviously, because um, they never really existed. Yeah, you kind of get... Did you ever watch much Doctor Who? No. Okay, that was the, the kind of one of the more famous episodes of the ones with the weeping angels, where there are like these statues and they can only move in the darkness. Um, so Ooh, when, you, when you're looking at them, creepy. they can't move. Uh, it was a very creepy one, probably one of the scary ones there's been. But in this, you sort of have the reverse. So it's only in light where everyone can move. So you've got this <laughs> weird sort of, like, you know, maybe it's not quite like that, but you could have a sort of scenario where when it's dark and there's no lightning flashes, everyone sort of sleeps for a few mm. seconds and then lightning flashes, everyone moves again. And so you may never properly sleep, but you might sleep every minute or every few seconds just constantly. That'd be so cool. It'd be like a like a strobe society. Strobes make everything look cooler. Can we agree? Yes, yes. That yeah. Is true. So, in fact, honestly, there's there's several things that I think would be made to look cooler just against the backdrop of constant lightning storms. First of all, music might be quite different. Just um, just based on how tricky it is to record a, a podcast with. I mean, this one case in point, uh, <laughs> what with background traffic noises and such like. I feel like a low rumble in the background of most recordings would just be commonplace, you know. Yeah. But the thunder's rumbling while you're listening to it, like you don't even notice. That's just that part of it. Mm. Um, but concerts would look so much cooler. Again, you know, you got the stage, whatever, and then just behind that, all the lightning uh fun fairs like uh, firework displays would we even bother with fireworks i don't know <laughs> they, but, just, um... they just go up into the clouds and disappear and you see a very faint flare of light like <laughs> well that's <laughs> that's not Among very good all the other flares of light yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> like uh, i think that it. flare of light was the firework no i think that was the lightning. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but how cool would like a uh, bonfire night or whatever you know like those like the winter evening events like you go to the fun fair and everything's lit up and whatever and normally it's just a dark sky above but like now the sky is like its own light show and transylvanian castles would look amazing um they'd have that thunder thing going on all the time uh even just basic stuff like maypoles and stuff you know like traditional like uh you're a medieval farmer what are you going to do for fun i guess build a brightly covered colored pole and tie some ribbons around it or whatever but now it's getting struck by lightning every few seconds <laughs> and all the ribbons it's just are that on much fire cooler. yeah <laughs> badass you gotta dance really fast because the ribbons are gonna burn through any minute now yeah there'd be a lot more I've been playing a lot of Don't Starve recently, or Don't Starve Together, to be more precise. I, have you ever played this game? Uh, no. You've, yeah, I think you've talked about. Did you talk about it last I, already... week? I can't remember. I might have done. It's kind of been consuming me for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, and it gives you this. The problem I have with it is it's very fun, very compelling, but it is an anxiety generator because because yeah. you're always, you know, your your hunger meter is always going down. It, it, darkness is always approaching. Do you have enough logs for your fire? There's all these meters the whole time, like, oh, winter's approaching, and they're all dwindling, and you've got to just struggle against them the whole time. Yeah, I did. And then... I briefly played it, and I was like, <laughs> I am barely getting through this, and now there's winter? What are you doing? And I, I think I gave up at that point, because I was like, it's been hard enough to get to winter, and now everything mm -hmm. is worse. Yeah, I feel you. And I'm here to tell you, every season is like that. You make it through your first winter, and you're like, oh my god, I survived the deer clops. I survived the cold. Those hounds didn't get me. Ha, ah, I did it. Okay, spring, finally. And then you get hit with the frog rain. It just never, like, lets up. Amazing. Um, yeah, wildfires in summer, and you need you need lightning rods, let me tell you. So I think, basically, something like constant lightning storms would bring all of that wonderful anxiety and stress that we've managed to condense in this fictional world uh, straight into real life, as if we weren't anxious already, 
enough uh, because now, yeah, you got to deal with just like everything's intermittent and juddery. Your light flickers on and off. Your your energy, like oh, you're fired up and then winding down and oh, <laughs> back again, just constantly, all the time, everywhere. And things that we, you know, a lot of sports wouldn't work anymore, or like activities like climbing Mount oh, Everest suddenly becomes a whole lot more difficult. Like oh, yeah. it was bad enough when there was like no oxygen and it's freezing temperatures and mm. uh, you know uh, altitude sickness. Now you've got lightning as well. Yeah, it, on the tallest structure on Earth. <laughs> so yeah, and that's probably causing avalanches and stuff as well when it strikes. Or I don't know, would there even be any snow left? I don't know. Um, but also like no swimming in the sea or any outdoor swimming pool is suddenly a very bad idea. Um, right, and any sort of water sport is basically eliminated. Um, unless you can oh, yeah. kind of set up some sort of maybe like a mesh ceiling, like a uh, like wires above a stretch of the beach or the ocean mm-hmm. that kind of channel the lightning that way. Well, what happens if you just have like a, a boy with you know? A, I I never like the way that word is pronounced. What word, boy? Yeah, as in B U O Y. Yeah, I think in America it's pronounced buoy. Right, which is sensible. It sounds silly, honestly. <laughs> it does sound... It's like something you'd say to a child to frighten them. <laughs> but uh, but it makes sense. They figured out how to not make it a homophone, and I have to respect that. Over here, we call them boys. So it's like, oh, look at that boy out in the water. And you're like, oh, boy, yeah, whatever. And it's like, no, no, he's drowning. <laughs> but no, because they're buoyant. Like, you, like yeah, well... buoyant sounds stupid. Okay, it does, but at least it's its own <laughs> word that isn't, you know... <laughs> buoyant should just mean like a boy. <laughs> It's messy. I guess it That's could, all it I'm could saying. be buoy. Buoy sounds okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're not shouting uh, boo. They're they're shouting buoy. <laughs> Is that Jeff Goldblum? Why is he here? <laughs> I didn't know you lived with him. That's my attempt at Smithers. Oh, okay. That's a classic <laughs> Simpsons reference. Okay, when, I didn't know uh, that. <laughs> oh, man. There's this film festival and Mr. Burns enters a very self-indulgent film and then everyone's like, boo, boo. And he's like, Smithers, they're booing me. And he's like, oh, no, sir. They're not shouting boo. They're shouting uh, boo urns, boo urns. <laughs> and he's like, hey, excuse me. Are you shouting boo? Oh, boo urns. And then they pelt him with eggs or whatever. It's a, it's a classic moment. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the hell was the point I was trying to make? Oh yeah, so these these boys, the buoys or whatever, just whack a lightning rod on that, and then that point is going to get struck, right? And the rest of you are free to splash about or windsurf or whatever. Yeah, but then where do you think the lightning, like the the energy from the lightning, goes when it hits the the boy? But like down, right? Isn't it heading to the center of the earth? <laughs> is that not how it goes? No, I don't know. Because like obviously, when you're on land, right, it goes into the yeah. earth. So you're fine because yeah. it's in the earth. When you're in water, it goes into the water. Okay. So it'll hit the boy, go through the water and hit you. Is that how, does it just spread out? Is yeah. like a whole big area of water suddenly infused with electricity? I think so. Really? Uh-huh. I I thought, I genuinely thought lightning was trying to make a beeline for, the, for like the centre of the earth. <laughs> lightning is like the lightning god is like, whatever. one day I'm going to get to the centre of the earth, god. Because he's like, you know, the underworld, like, Hades really has been angry. really pissing me off recently. And if I fire enough lightning, I can tunnel through and get to him. It's the way the clouds keep uh, blowing about on the wind. Like, the wind god is just really messing with him. That's the only thing that's prevented him just digging one tunnel straight down through the centre. <laughs> he keeps trying, yeah, he's just trying one spot, and every time it's like, whoa, <laughs> missed again. 
<laughs> throwing his aim off. Okay, fine. No more water activities and no more sailing because, like, uh, an antique sailing boat with its high mast and everything. Mm-mm. No good. Unless, maybe it's fine, though. Maybe you just run a copper, you know, cable up that mast and uh, down through the hold, like, into the hull, and then you'd be like you're in a car. Yeah, I guess that's probably that. what they do on current, like, cruise ships and stuff. They must, right? Yeah. So, yeah, before, like, your mast would get scorched. I don't know, you'd have to figure something out. Copper will become really expensive as well. It'd be, like, so valuable, it might be pricier than gold. Lightning rods on everything. Yeah, I guess so. Although, could, I guess you could build a lightning rod out of other stuff and just the wiring is copper. I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know how it works. I know copper's already, like, reasonably pricey because we need it for pipes and components and stuff i don't know yeah just lightning rod smiths would be like very <laughs> valuable forget about horseshoes there's no horses you can't have beasts of burden it's a dangerous business though <laughs> i'm a lightning rod smith who's <laughs> just constantly being battered by lightning no well he'd be doing it indoors because he needs a forge and he'd have made his own lightning rod first so he's fine yeah i just like he the idea of like oh, i finished another one and he holds it up to admire it in the light and he gets hit again oh god yeah well i mean maybe he needs that to charge him up you know all the energy he's expending on these hammer blows andy time for another round of uh that aptly named segment hyperfakicals and actually i've got a subtitle for it this time oh, yes. just like we did with uh yeah, what have we had in the past? We had Bibliophony. Uh, I think that was the only one which we actually got to work, yeah. <laughs> I th- didn't we have a film one? I think we had one for film. Oh, possibly. I don't think it was very good, though. Well, like, oh, this Flim, one's Flim, not Flim, very Flam good Flam either. Film. Was that it? Flim Flam Film. Yeah, that's yeah. been my favourite so far. Uh, well done on that. Uh, this one, the best I could come up with was uh, Artificial. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's all right. It's got the word art in there, and that's that's the idea. This time, dear listeners, we're going to be uh, listing um, art installations. And I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, we've gone for like, um, not, you know, like paintings and stuff, but like external installations, sculptures and stuff. Yeah, right? a lot of mine are kind of performance art, actually. Oh, even better. Yeah. Okay. No, mine are of the like static installation kind. So, well, nice, nice variety. And uh, as always, um, we're going to alternate giving each other the titles of the pieces and we will each have to guess what the title refers to. And then we will be told what the piece actually is. uh, And then we'll have to guess which one is the fake that we've snuck in there. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready? Oh, born ready. Yep. Let's go. All right. My first one is called simply Red Ball Project. Red Ball Project. Hmm. Hmm. That's ball as in sphere, not as in the the beverage or the uh... right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm imagining that this is. Did you ever watch um the TV show Total Wipeout? Oh yeah, like uh, big foam things just like knocking yeah, people into ponds. Right? It was kind of like uh, Takeshi's Castle, almost like you know uh, you had to jump. There were all these obstacles, and if you fell off, you fell into some water, and it was funny. Um, and mm. one of the things was like four red balls, like big foam balls, and you kind of jump across them, and it's quite difficult. Um, so I'm imagining they've just got those, um, and they've installed it just in a corridor or something. They've replaced a section of floor with those in the art ex- exhibition. And uh, so if right. you actually want to get to see, you know, uh, the Mona Lisa, you first have to traverse um, this quite difficult obstacle course. You know what? That's a brilliant idea. Take note, curators. <laughs> I know they're very keen on their like nice flat floors and their customer lifts and their just, you know, white 
galleries and stuff. But yeah, like imagine you'd be approaching the Mona Lisa in a very different state if you weren't just, <laughs> you know, like elbowing your way through a crowd of tourists. If you had to like jump across a load of uh, unstable stepping stones and bouncy balls and things to get to her, you'd be, you'd, you'd have an elevated pulse. Yeah, you'd be a sense of achievement and uh, yeah. sort of um, ecstasy at having got through because it might be like your 15th attempt. Um, yeah, everyone else is in the pond. <laughs> Yeah, you're dr- you're sopping wet. It's it's not <laughs> great for the drenched. art, to be honest. But um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, they keep her in a box anyway. I think isn't she like behind perspex? Uh, oh, is it an actual woman? I thought it was a, a bit of art. <laughs> <laughs> They've got her in a sealed box. <laughs> it's amazing how long she's been in there. Yeah, it's like oh, All this right. is just the artwork. I want to see the real Mona Lisa. Where is she? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good stuff. Red Bull Project. There it is. Um, Okay, I I forget how we do this. Do I run through all my <laughs> you, you run titles? through all yours, and then you I give do. me the summary Thank you for me. Yep. <laughs> all right, brilliant. Okay, uh, the next one is called simply Thirst. Thirst? That's T-H. Mm, as in like, oh, I'm thirsty. Yeah. Oh, drink of water. Huh. Um, for this, I would guess that it might be some sort of play on... I forget which uh, Greek mythical figure it was who... I think he was punished for... I think he might have served his son to the gods in a pie. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, he was punished by being uh, in hell forever. And he was sort of stood up to his waist in a lake uh, of water. And above his head was, I think it was an apple tree or a pear tree or something. But every time he tried to reach down to drink some water, the water would recede. And every time he tried to reach up to get some fruit, uh, the tree would bend away from him. So he could never actually reach either of them. Um, ah, that rings a bell. So yeah, I'm guessing it's some sort of play on that. So it's something about, yeah, maybe it's a very like clever computer thing where um, there's this pool of water and you're invited to touch it, but as you uh, put your hand in, the water recedes away from you and you can never reach it. That's really cool. I'm distressed that the ideas you're coming up with are much better than the <laughs> originals. <laughs> I should be an artist. All I need is multi-millions, uh, yeah, many millions of dollars in funding. Yeah, you just need some uh, rich patron to decide that, you know, you're the bee's knees and uh, to just fund all of your wacky ideas. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's all any of us needs, really. <laughs> all right, brilliant. Well, apply your genius to this. Uh, it's another simple title. This one is simply called Rabbit. Rabbit. Mm, I'm guessing this one is like a rabbit warren. So... It's this, you know, this series of tunnels that you just sort of go into head first, and they're all like, it's like a maze, essentially. Uh, and there might be like little mini art exhibits of like statues of rabbits in each of the kind of burrows, maybe. Um, mm. But you have to kind of like try and, yeah, explore your way through and like you'll run into other people who are also doing the same. And yeah, you have to kind of just get out of it, I guess. Are the rabbits wearing clothes? <laughs> what, in the in the models? Yeah, these like naturalistic, like are we talking oh, like see. stuffed taxidermy rabbits or are we talking like, you know, like Mr. Rabbit from, you know, the, um, the environs of Toad Hall? I'd say there's a spectrum. It's sort of a, a complete analysis of rabbit kind in the uh, modern imagination. Oh, so like each each uh, pocket of the war in each chamber is like a different kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like then it. there's some really disturbing rabbits in there as well, uh, where they've just been like turned inside out or something. Sure, yeah, you got it, absolutely. you got to have the shock value. Or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a room de- dedicated to Watership Down, which is just one of the most horrifying Oh, absolutely <laughs> horrifying. Films. But and did you, I, I haven't actually seen the film, but I've mm. read the book, and that 
in itself is horrifying because spoilers anyone who hasn't seen it but um yeah everyone everyone dies it's so grim i i watched the film i think i don't even know if i finished it uh yeah i i would i haven't read the book but i think it does it justice certainly the mood is one of just it's grim it's like hamlet but bunnies um yeah and it's for kids is it it's not really but yeah it's a bit in my mind it's a sort of a similar realm to animal farm in that like oh farmyard animals might be for kids and then you read it and you're like no absolutely not yeah, except I feel like you're given Animal Farm like when you're 17 in high school and I feel like Watership Down shows up a lot earlier. It like does. around the age you should be reading The Wind in the Willows or like the Redwall series if you want your, you know, humanoid yeah. critters. Mm-hmm. And there's there's much less death in those, <laughs> to be honest. Significantly less. There's a lot of violence in uh, The Wind in the Willows, but it's like exclusively being dealt out by the good guys upon like stoats and weasels and who cares about them. <laughs> and similarly, I think Red Wall is like a fantasy, like warlike setting, but it's like a lot just, yeah, happier, like the Narnia Chronicles. Yeah, it's like watching a, a Marvel film as opposed to, um, I don't know. Um, like a gritty war thing about yeah, the horrors of exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Ah, rabbit. Okay, that sounds grim. Um, next up, this one might be a little more cheerful. You tell me. It's okay. called simply Lego House. Uh, I mean, there's 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 an obvious interpretation here. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Are you going to go for it? Um, low hanging fruit. Um, no, because it's the low hanging fruit of that Greek mythical guy, and when I reach up for it, it's gonna it'll be, be Lego. torn away from me. And I'll, yeah, I'll try and bite into it. Plastic. Ah, um, uh, Lego House. I think it is. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's a normal house. No, <sighs> something is made of Lego which shouldn't be. Um, this is probably much tougher because it's too descriptive a title. I think. Yeah. And I, I will say again, you've come up with better ideas for each of these already <laughs> than, than exist in reality. So. Uh, Lego House. Um, I guess you just have. What I think it is, is you invite a group of people into uh, the art gallery um, mm. and it's like a it's an interactive exhibit and you say to them, what would you come up with if you were given an art exhibit called Lego House and you watch <laughs> them struggle to come up with any idea at all? I love it. That's very meta. You've got all the kids just happily building Lego houses and yep. all the adults like, no, I have to be more clever than that. Yeah, exactly. Paralyzed. I need to show off. To- yeah, it's, it's all people with um, quite new partners. So they want right. to impress them. Um, and so they can't just come up with an idea for a Lego house. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Uh, finally, Before I Die. Mm. Well, this is actually... Um, was it episode one or two? Uh, where we talked about the one where we... Basically, people, when they go in, they get a tattoo. And then when they die, they get taken back to the exhibit. Oh, yeah, um, that was good. And uh, are put there in there. That would be a good title for that one. Um yeah, it would. Uh, but yeah, what would Before I Die be? Um, That's pretty solid, honestly. I guess it would just be an exhibit of lots of bucket lists from people from history. Uh, mm. If they've somehow managed to track them down and like just sort of formed a sort of wallpaper around the room and you can kind of go through and like you can see what they managed to tick off and like they might have highlighted like common themes and or like particularly odd ones. Um, yeah. And they, oh, might, okay. they might have, like, paired up two people who one is very much reviled by history and one is very much praised by history. And, and they you'd like, put them together um, and they don't tell you which is which and you've got to kind of guess 
whose is whose. So, yeah, do you want to give me the actual uh, summaries for those then? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> we have Red Bull Project. This is a uh, a travelling piece of public street art. Uh, and these blurbs, by the way, are not all like... This, this is a combination of me uh, yeah. chopping bits out of Wikipedia, paraphrasing what it said on the artist's website. So, But broadly speaking, it is a um, travelling public art uh, street art piece. Uh, it is considered, apparently, the world's longest-running street artwork, so good for them. Um, the project consists of a 15-foot inflated red ball. Honestly, it looks like... Um, you ever played giant football? Like, <laughs> uh... like a, uh, I played it at, like, a Boy Scout meet or something. Like, they get a ball that is, like, twice the height of a human. Oh, right, okay. And you, you, and your team has to just, like, push it. It's kind of like a reverse tug-of-war. Oh, that sounds awesome. No, I've never played that. Okay, yeah, well, anyway, if you had, then you might be able to imagine the kind of ball I'm talking about. But yeah, just like a big red ball. Um, and what they do is they literally just smush it uh, in, in different city spaces in various cities around the world um, in what the website calls a choreographed suite of installations, uh, usually lasting one to two weeks in a host city. Uh, uh-huh. Each specific site lasts only one day. But yeah, apparently the artist just goes to various cities, like bicycles around them or whatever, like scouts out locations. He'd like to wedge his giant ball. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> initially... This very invasive. <laughs> apparently initially it was illegal. Um, like he just showed up and did it, took photos. Yeah. But it has since become like so popular um, that like he gets invited and it's all done by like agreement with the town and it's normally as part of like an art festival and stuff so I think it's lost a lot of its uh, its bite yeah. but um, whatever commentary you feel is being made by a giant red ball being squished places that is still <laughs> ongoing I think mm, okay that's 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 quite cool I guess yeah interesting right red yeah. ball project huh I'd like to see that mm, yeah um, I would tell listeners to look it up, but of course we don't know if it's real yet. So uh, by all <laughs> well, means, look these up, listeners, look up but anyway. you may be yeah. disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> at least one. Um, okay, secondly, we have Thirst. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another big thing. Uh, this is a 32 foot tall, six foot in diameter, transparent pillar uh, uh-huh. made of food grade acrylic plastic. It's transparent and hollow on the inside. Uh, with an open top, but with a thin mesh grill, uh, apparently to prevent leaves and similar from falling in. I'm not sure about the bird dropping situation. Hopefully that's accounted <laughs> for also. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a large funnel to catch rainwater, basically, into this pillar. And over the course of the three-week installation for Seattle's annual art festival, the sculpture filled with rainwater, uh, which could only be emptied through a stainless steel spigot uh, installed near the bottom on one side. Okay. And what was the point of that? Oh, I don't ask questions like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of Red Bull Project? I don't know. Well, I guess, but... Uh... They're making a commentary on thirst, Andy, okay? Because what? there's water yeah. in there, and I guess if you're thirsty, you could drink it. But do you want to? I don't know. So could members of the public drink it? Is that the point? It was just there, I think. Yeah. I mean, right. I don't, I honestly, I didn't look too deeply into it. I don't know if they put up like warnings, like don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't drink this. I don't know. Maybe it was fine though. Cause it's rainwater with a filtration thing up top. I'm not, I honestly, I should have looked into it more. Um, maybe. Huh. Okay. Next up is one you definitely shouldn't consume. Um, <laughs> this is rabbit. Oh dear. Uh, it's a 200 foot, again, another big thing. There's a bit of a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, 200 feet long by 20 feet tall, uh, a knit rabbit, like woolen knitting, 
What? Uh, yeah. Made of pale pink wool. It's like a giant stuffed toy. Apparently it was knit by actual grandmothers over the course of five years. God, was it the Shreddies' grandmothers? It must have been, because, yeah, they can really... <laughs> Shut it out. For anyone who doesn't know, that's an old cereal advert in the UK, <laughs> or England at least, where these, like, yeah, shredded wheat cereals were, like, knitted by nanas, and they'd show you the factory yeah. where there's all these grannies just like... I think we might have mentioned knitted by nanas before. Oh, we might have done. Yeah, it's such a weird visual. Yeah, anyway, so you can picture them all just swarming over this giant rabbit knitting, or like maybe they each did portions in their own homes and then they were stitched swarming together. Swarming like ants over this carcass of a rabbit, yeah. The thing is, that's what the public does now, because it was placed, or back when it was made, sorry, this is in 2005, um, it was placed in the Italian Alps um, and just laid to rest on a hilltop and what? left there so its decay could be documented. Yeah, so from 2005 onwards for the span of several years, I don't know if it's still there or bits of it. Yeah, this giant soft toy just like rotted into the earth and people could go and check it out, take photos, huh. before, like climb around. <laughs> climb around in some rotting wool. Lovely. Yeah, so that's Rabbit. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, okay. Get ready for Lego House. Okay. <laughs> it's um, going to be better than my idea. <laughs> uh, honestly, not really. So several million Lego bricks uh, arranged in a fully livable two-story house mm -hmm. uh, apparently the guy asked for the books to be donated um yeah so they made a fully livable two-story house with a working plumbed in sink shower and toilet um in which the artist lived for a day after the house's construction and wow. only a yeah. day are uh, amateur what's he doing I honestly, I got the impression reading about this that it started off as a more Im impressive project, like ambitious, <laughs> and it got steadily worse. Initially, he was meant to spend a little while there, then it was just like a day. Yeah. He was originally going to sell it to Legoland to become a permanent exhibit, and then they were like, actually, it's going to cost too much to move it. No, thank you. We don't yeah. want it. Actually, you've, so you've already done a poo in this toilet. We don't, we don't want also, it. Also, yeah. <laughs> Then he had to, like, he didn't even buy his own bricks. They were, like, donated. Then he had to, um, he tried to, it, it was valued by someone at, like, $750,000, I think. Yeah, for, like, you know, for this art piece. But no one wanted to buy it at auction yep. or anything. So he was trying to give it away to anyone who wanted it. But it was deemed too expensive. Um, and I believe eventually demolished using chainsaws. <laughs> so they didn't even take it apart for the bricks. Too much effort. Wow, they just chainsawed it apart. Yeah, so a very wasteful. Yeah, oh, that's thing. awful. Just all as a lot of art is, honestly. Straight to landfill. Goodbye. Yeah, but you know, at least we know that oh, a man did a poo in a Lego toilet one time, so the <laughs> culture know, is enriched, presumably. A perfectly Lego shaped Lego shaped poo. <laughs> <laughs> just, just slotted in there. Click. Good stuff. Okay, this oh. next one. Um, this is a more like thinky one, I think, honestly, but more of a concept behind it than Lego House. Simple in its execution, but kind of cool. Uh, an artist painted an abandoned house in their neighborhood with um, that paint that you can like chalkboard paint. Yep. You know, and they stenciled on the prompt before I die, I want to dot 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 and left a load of bits of chalk. So anyone walking by can pick up a piece of chalk reflect on life and death and their ambitions and uh, and share their personal aspirations in public anonymous or not as they wished uh, apparently by the next day the wall was entirely filled out wow. um yeah and the the project kept growing basically like other towns started requesting it 
Um, various like community, like fan communities were set up. So allegedly, over five thousand before I die walls have now been created in over seventy-five countries. Okay, so these you have all sound plausible. That's the thing about art. Uh, <laughs> you can yeah, make whatever. You can do as crazy stuff as you want, and it's all fine. Um, yep. Okay, so just to recap, what uh, so Red Red Bull Project was squ- <laughs> squishing the artist Giant Red Bull into um, various cities. Correct. Um, Thirst was a big old container which people may or may not have been able to drink from. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the next one? Rabbit. rabbit. Oh yeah, decaying <laughs> woolen rabbit made out of shreddies. No, um, but very uh, big though. <laughs> very big uh, on a hillside in the Alps. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then it was Lego Ooh, House. Lego House. Very good. Um, and yeah, the final one was Before I Die. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's. I think it's between Thirst and Before I Die. For the one that you've made up. Okay. I don't know. This is a complete this is a complete punt. Um, <laughs> the stakes are high, Andy. <laughs> this can't just be guesswork. Your honour is on the line. Uh, yeah. If I lose one more of these, I'm uh, <laughs> You're uh, for the chop, I'm, I'm sorry. For the chop. Yeah, someone else is gonna do the podcast. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. Um, <laughs> um I'll go with thirst. Oh, well done. Yes. Nailed yes. it. Yes. Yeah. That was the best I could come up with. Uh, and I still needed quite a lot of Fedra's help, honestly, because <laughs> I found it so difficult to come up with something weird and wacky that had not already been done. Right. Yeah, that's a point. I didn't look up whether mine had already been done. I assume they haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not with the same title anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh, well done. Okay, oh. well, I've got I've got a few more for round two, but oh, okay. let's, let's hear from you first. Okay, I've got a few. So, uh, we'll start off with, I like America, and America likes me. Oh, goodness. Uh, did you say all of these are, like, performance art pieces? Uh, let me just see. Um, yes, they are. They're all performance art. Okay, brilliant. Well, honestly, I get a bit weirded out by nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think in general, as a country, we are less nationalistic over here than in the States. That's not Ooh, to say that we don't, don't have know. a lot of nationalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We're swinging the other way now as well. Um, but you know, we don't like salute the flag in school, yet. um, stuff like that yet. <laughs> yeah. Listen, let's just, uh. but, uh, I do. And also we don't have, uh, because Britain has been the cause of independence days, um, mm. We don't have an Independence Day. We don't have a, like, let's celebrate our country day. Yeah, unless... subjugation day is less appealing. A little, yeah. And we didn't have to fight anyone else off. Since, like, the Norman Conquest or whatever, a thousand years ago, nobody cares. So, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but I guess I guess we have a bunch of stuff related to the royals, probably. Like, if you care about the Queen's birthday and stuff. But notwithstanding, the Americans have Independence Day. And I can definitely picture the kind of, like on your porch with your big old flag in the background and your illegal fireworks from Mexico <laughs> uh-huh. or whatever, right? Yeah. You gotta celebrate uh, how much you love your country by blow up, blowing up a small portion of it. That's like <laughs> a crucial aspect. So in my mind, this is, um, yeah, an installation composed entirely of illegal fireworks, just like a ridiculously reckless display so is it a firework display or have they just got them all ready to go i wonder because like if you 
if you, like illegal fireworks are normally something to be enjoyed in your own home from I don't even know where people get them I don't even know how common they are are they just a gag on TV or are they like real do you have to like go south of the border to get those sweet sweet Mexican fireworks where the rules are different or like do you know a guy or do all the fireworks stores have like a back room for their connoisseurs <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know but presumably like if an artist sets up an exhibition and it's all about illegal fireworks and then just leaves them there then people will come and like be like don't don't fire those though so two options either it's just like a big old mosaic or something made of fireworks but all the like wicks have been snipped off Mm -hmm. or um they don't announce it they just show up one night in a field and just blow up a load of illegal fireworks (laughs) before anyone can stop them it's one of those two have i I talked before about the um there's been a few displays now like i think there's a famous one on video in australia where all the fireworks go off at once accidentally Oh, amazing. So they set up this like half hour firework display and something goes wrong with the computer and they all go off in one massive explosion. (laughs) And it is amazing. (laughs) It's just bang and then nothing. (laughs) Just half an hour of recovery. Yeah. Just looking back on it fondly. Oh. <laughs> and I hope I hope like nobody died or anything. I mean, presumably I don't they, think so, they get no. to a safe distance, right? Yeah, I think everyone was fine, but obviously it's just uh, just <laughs> what a waste. This huge cloud of smoke just enveloping uh, the city. Well, that's probably what it's like then. Yeah, and just it's by like an anonymous artist, like Banksy star, because they don't want to be caught and prosecuted for the uh, the noise pollution and the smoke and everything. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, on to number two. This one mm-hmm. is simply called shoot. Ah. Uh. Which is S H O O T. Okay, I was going to ask. It's not C U S C H U. Okay, um, shoot. Now, when I was doing my own research, I I started looking at performance art pieces and then quickly realised I couldn't come up with anything um, that hadn't already been (laughs) done. Like I, that well was dry as far as I was concerned. So well done you. Um, I did find one where the installation consisted of an artist. uh, She was seated behind like a trestle table with various items on it. And she just was sat there for like 12 hours or whatever. And people could come over, look at the, look at the items, look at her, do whatever. And some of the items were just like really benign, but like one of them was a loaded gun. And, you know, someone came over, like held the gun up to her head for a while. Then someone else like took the gun off of them Uh and, you know, but like they could have shot her. So I guess it's like an exploration of like, what do people do when you give them random stuff and, you know, free license? Um, So, yeah, it's that, but it's like, it's just guns and the artist just has got a target painted on their chest. (laughs) And actually (laughs) adjacent to uh, the table with the guns on is another table with free t-shirts or with targets painted on their chests. Right. Okay. So it's just, you know, like in life, which, which of us are the shooters and which of us are the victims, man? Gosh, maybe, Mm. maybe if anyone actually does shoot them, they have to put on a t-shirt and take their place. Yeah. Yes, even better. <laughs> They're forced to. Sorry. It's it's an art yeah. installation about how there should actually be consequences to shooting another human being. <laughs> yeah. It's really important we start to think about this as a society. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll be a grim one. Yeah, quite a lot of mine are quite dark, so that's fair enough. Um, okay, brilliant. <laughs> uh, this next one is going to be quite difficult, sorry. Uh, it is just called self-portrait. Oh. Um... But it is performance art, so... Okay. This is going to be... It's got to be weird so i'm thinking in my mind it has something to do with like the it's not a self-portrait at all it's about the the negative space like around the artist uh, rather than the space they take up so if it were like a physical installation i would say it's like 
discarded tissues from them blowing their nose, like the <laughs> towel that they used to dry themselves off after their shower, like mm-hmm. their, you know, uh, the little hairs and things from them shaving or whatever. Um, but since it's a performance piece, um, I reckon the artist is like just, they've set up like a diorama of a person's you know, so you can just go about your day, like you, you you go in the bathroom for a while, you brush your teeth, whatever. But the artist is just in like a morph suit. Um, right, okay. So you can't really see the, you know, the artist has been nearly omitted from the picture and you just see the effect that they're having, you know, as they raise a toothbrush and scrub, scrub, scrub in the air. And then, you know, now they're going to go and pet their dog and, and all the rest of it, get in their car for a while, etc. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank you. Okay. My final one for this uh, this set is called... Uh, transfusion transfusion okay this is a performance art piece where if you go to a hospital and uh, you need blood for some reason then they'll stick a tube in your arm and like get some blood that they already have and like put it in you uh, so that you can be healthy (laughs) it's just it's just in a hospital (laughs) and Uh, you come out the end of surgery and you're like they're like did you like my art piece you're like what (laughs) what's happening sorry you know, I like the idea of surgeons thinking of themselves as artists rather than because um, you get, you know, like you get people with a sciencey mindset, an engineering mindset, uh, like a medical mindset, an artsy mindset, but they they can be doing very similar things. Like a a, a surgeon or whatever is like kind of like an engineer of the body. Engineers and scientists have a massive overlap, but sometimes you get this friction where like the scientists are more theoretical and the engineers are more just like bodge it together with like duct tape. <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of overlap between what um yeah what uh doctors that's the word i'm looking for doctors do (laughs) and what artists do (laughs) you know like they're sculptors of flesh they could sign their stitching if they wanted to um they're just there's just profession has gone in a different direction so that that reminds me though do you remember that story it was from a few years ago now where it turned out that a surgeon had been like he'd been signing his name on people's (laughs) I think it was like their livers or something, or their kidneys, really? with like the scalpel or something, or oh. like with a um, the cauterizer, you know, to that burns. Um, yeah. When he did like um, operations, uh, he signed his name afterwards on them, and it like came out like he'd done this to like I think at least like ten patients, and like wow. one of them had to go for another surgery, and they're like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> and then obviously he got caught, and I think he got sent to prison because um, yeah, that risk. is obviously not a good. Not a good thing. No, that's not great. There's probably ways to do it relatively harmlessly, but it still seems like profoundly self-indulgent to scorch the flesh of another human being yeah, in the shape with no of your reason, name. Like, your whole thing is asking. do no harm, and you're like, eh, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know that people are wandering around with livers with my name on them. That's important <laughs> to me. Maybe he's labelling them if he ever needs uh, if he ever needs a transplant. He's like, well, I, I've got a liver with my name on it. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, he's been like finding the good ones. Maybe, but like presumably everyone else in the room had to kind of be down with it, right? Because surgeons, like based on my understanding from TV, they don't they don't operate alone. Yeah, but I guess like if you're across the table from someone, you may not see exactly what they're doing. Oh, you think maybe you could just like be sneaky with a cauterizer? Yeah, yeah, because you could be, just be like, I'm going to cauterize some blood vessels, which mm-hmm. is a normal thing to do. But then you're just like, and I'm going to do a little signature, just a little flourish. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, brutal. Okay, well this exhibition similarly. Um, was set up by uh, a surgeon come artist who decided to use their medical expertise to demonstrate 
gosh, I don't know, just performing a bunch of transfusions, like, on themselves. Right, um, right. so, like, in, in what, yeah. It's literally just, yeah, it's a medical procedure, but couched as art, basically. You buy tickets to watch it. Cool. Okay, do you want to hear the, the summaries? I suppose. Okay, so, uh, I like America, and America likes me. This 1974 performance piece involved the artist being locked in a room with a coyote for three days in eight-hour shifts. He arrived at the room in a New York gallery in an ambulance and wrapped in felt. The artist <laughs> communicated with their lethal companion and played tug-of-war with pieces of rope. They described the work as a reckoning with history that could lift America's trauma. Oh, thank God we're healed now. Um... <laughs> thank God this artist played tug-of-war with a coyote. We're all fine now. It's amazing, the stuff that gets made. It really is. Okay, so hang on. Was, did it describe it as a lethal companion? Yes. Wow. Is a coyote like that dangerous? I think they've been... There's a couple of occasions where they've killed babies, but that's it. Okay. God, poor coyote is my main thinking. Like, yeah. if it wasn't, like, already tame or whatever, it's just shut in a box with, like, a human. That's terrifying. I don't know where they got the coyote from. Maybe mm. it was from a zoo. I don't know. You'd hope it's already tame, but like that still seems just very cruel. This coyote mm. didn't consent to that. Yeah, uh, I mean, not to 1974. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, it's true. Ethics committees were not a thing. Okay, that's yep. fun. Great. Uh, so the next one, Shoot, uh, as you might have guessed, it is to do with guns. Mm. Uh, so Shoot featured the artist, who was only 25 years old at the time, being shot in the left arm at close <laughs> range by a friend with a rifle. Had their what? aim been off by a few inches, the artist could easily have been killed, but their aim was true, and as planned, the artist was successfully shot in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want for this to be made up, but I don't <laughs> trust it. I don't trust people, frankly. Okay, amazing. It's yep. just... It's the way this stuff gets categorised as high art, whereas, like, this could easily be, like, a video on YouTube that gets banned for violating the terms yeah, of service. Yeah, exactly. Just, it's like, some, some idiot thing. Yeah, some dumb kid in a garage, like... Yeah. Right? Like, people make jackass, and it's, like, low-brow non-culture. Mm -hmm. But an artist does this, and now we've got to have a conversation about it. Or, yeah. I don't know, whatever. We have conversations about whatever on this programme, so I guess <laughs> thank you for the fodder, guys. <laughs> okay, uh, self-portrait. Uh, it's a mm. short one. The artist lay nude, covered in dots, on a spiked sofa and a pile of pasta. Andy, <laughs> between arriving in ambulances covered in felt, was the artist covered in felt or was the ambulance? Uh, no, the artist was wrapped in felt. Amazing. Okay, and this one, what do you say covered in spots? Uh, yeah, covered in dots, yeah. Dots. Okay, not like zits. Um, no, like, like paint, painted like, on. I think they were like paper, like stickers almost. Okay. Lying on, what, a bed of nails and pasta? On a, yeah, spiked sofa and a pile of pasta. Amazing. I can't quite picture that. Like, is the pasta between the spikes? Is the pasta impaled on the spikes? Is the, <laughs> like, quite know, the, most of their body is on the spiked sofa, but, like, their head is resting on the pasta pile? Uh, yeah, What's like a, going like a on? pillow. Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure. Okay. I want that to be made up again <laughs> but only one of them can be okay uh, what do you got next so yeah finally transfusion um so for this piece the artist sat in a hospital bed so you're on there uh, right. their right arm was covered with leeches while their left arm was hooked up to a blood pack which gradually drained its contents thus replenishing that lost to the leeches that's very good i'm gonna go with that one being fake just because it seems too like neat and well thought out <laughs> honestly <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're, you're right, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. 
It's hard to come up with something as wackadoo as a guy showing up wrapped in felt in an ambulance <laughs> to play tug of war with a coyote, right? Yeah. Like, what is happening? And yeah, that guy was shot by his friends. Um, That's real. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I think they cons- they had to write a police report because if you shoot someone, <laughs> you've got to write a police report regardless of whether they wanted you to. Fair enough. Okay, consensual shooting, not yet a thing. Yeah. We allow. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Wild. Well, yeah. I'm invigorated. Are you ready for round two? We've both guessed successfully so far. We have. Okay, Can we see. keep it up? Okay, round two. Time for four more. Uh, the first one, Andy, is called Simply Chairs. Ha- sorry, is it called Chairs or is it Simply Chairs? Because that sounds like a band. Oh, sorry. It does, doesn't it? No, it, it is called Chairs. Okay, Chairs. Oh. Um... Please let this not be another Lego house situation. Uh, (laughs) Chairs is... um, They get plaster casts of the faces of various CEOs of corporations. I love where this is going. And they've kind of put them... So they've got actual chairs. And they've got the sort of imprint of their face in the chair. So you can... Or maybe it's not the... Maybe it's not the imprint. I love it. it. It's protruding out and you can sit on their face. That's fantastic. Yeah, sit on the rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really good. Once again, better than the original, I have to say. <laughs> I love that. Um <laughs> Okay, and and that would be great for people who want to like demean uh Jeff Bezos and so on and people who like fetishize them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can sit on their faces and uh, you know, just enjoy that. There's no rules on on whether you enjoy it or not. No, exactly. It's, it's up to you how you interact with the art within limits. Within uh, limits. Keep your clothes on, etc. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's brilliant. Applies across the board. Love it. Okay, next. Across the board. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the board of... uh... Directors. Exactly. Thank you. God. All right. The next one is called uh, the Orville Copter. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Now Uh... that I look at it, with just the title, it's quite difficult to imagine what this might be. Orville Copter. Well, I'm thinking of Keith Harris and Orville, which is another probably quite British thing. Who is that? So Keith Harris was like a comedian who had various different puppets, but his most famous one was Orville, who was like this... like He was a ventriloquist, basically, and Orville was like this green, fat bird that would mm-hmm. like be quite sarcastic and mean to him. Um, I think that was what it was anyway. But um, So yeah, I'm imagining this weird kind of fat green parrot puppet <laughs> in a helicopter? Uh, or... <laughs> um, I don't, maybe they've... Right, they've taken the puppet and they've adapted it, so they've scooped out anything that was inside before, and mm-hmm. they've sort of stuffed it and turned it into a drone, which then flies around uh, and um, just, I don't know, dispenses quotes from famous Orville quotes. You're not a million miles off of the <laughs> <Right>. original. <laughs> wow, uh, okay. Whether real or not, we will find out, but yep. yep. Okay, very interesting. Um, next up, we have Giant Slayer. Oh. Um, is this all one word or two separate words? Uh, it's written as all one word. Okay, so I'm going to interpret it as giants and then layer. So they're laying oh. down giants. So it's, um, it, it's like, uh, <laughs> what, what is it like? It's like a bricklayer, <laughs> but with giants. So they're Amazing. sort of, um, there's, yeah, just this sort of enormous wall that seems to be built out of, uh, lots of sort of interlocking, giants of various sort of forms and they're quite sort of abstract 
Um, they're like yeah, various kind of sleeping giants, and then there's like a massive, uh, like a bricklayer's trowel with some sort of bloody cement on it. <laughs> That's an amazing visual. So like an MCS, <laughs> uh, like he did his thing with like the dragons fitting together or whatever, just yeah. tessellating into infinity. But it's a huge ass sculpture, and it's like giants. Yeah. yeah. Any anyone who no, wants yeah. to sponsor me as an artist <laughs> with millions of dollars, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> this is our pitch, essentially. Yeah, this yeah. <laughs> podcast is our proof of concept. Um, all right, fantastic. Okay, uh, and next, finally, we have Under the Rainbow. Ooh, Under the Rainbow. Obviously, there is the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the lyrics. Somewhere Where troubles melt like lemon drops. Rainbow. Is that the lyrics? Um, way, way out high. Above uh, the chimney tops where troubles melt like lemon drops up there you'll find... Yeah, etc. Okay. So here, troubles are solidifying like lime drips. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Under the Rainbow is... Um, I tell you what it is. It's like a two-layer installation. So on the street level... They've kind of converted an old cellar, maybe, or something. Or mm-hmm. maybe, like, old railway tunnels. So on the street level, you've got this, like, light, nice, beautiful rainbow. Um, and then there's, like, a, a hatch or something. Or, like, you can get, get down underneath it. Mm-hmm. And in this old abandoned train tunnel, there's all these, like, horrific, grotesque models of uh, leprechauns. Um, ah. Doing uh, various, like... I don't know dodgy financial things like they're, they're all they're all like hedge fund managers or they're like uh, committing oh, various types of fraud or um or poss- oh or possibly actually no 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 I take all that back the leprechauns are under the rainbow mining for gold and they they all like look really you know they've got um kind of their faces are blackened with dirt and they oh, all look like really haggard. miserable and they're like having to drag these carts um, oh, and man. it's like all these sculptures of of this going on, and it's sort of uh, about how our our myths of uh, capitalism and interact with folklore and stuff. That is once again so much better. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, great job! Okay, here's your blurbs. So chairs, um, Doris Salcedo uh, stacked one thousand five hundred and fifty. Wooden chairs um, uh-huh. between two city buildings uh, in Istanbul. Okay. Um, it's literally just like a space where a building's been demolished between two other buildings, like three stories tall, and it's just piled up with wooden chairs. And allegedly, it looks kind of cool, apparently it represents the plight of the faceless migrants that underpin our economy. Huh. Mm, makes you think. Bunch of chairs. <laughs> it does. It makes think. me think. Why? Does that represent yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. the migrants? Um, I mean, you could get um, any amount of any object, you know? Like yeah. old rugs, pile them up. You know, tires, start a tire fire. Oh, it makes you think about migrants, <laughs> though, doesn't it? Yeah, anyway. all these watermelons, migrants, yeah. Yeah, 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 fruit picking industry. Anyhow, whatever. Um, then we have the Orville Copter, 2012, <laughs> yes. Bart uh-huh. Jansen. Um, Jansen turned his dead cat oh. <laughs> into a remote-controlled helicopter. No. Into a drone, basically. I don't know why it says remote control helicopter. It's more drone-like. Yeah, so if you look at the thing, again, if this is real, people can look it up. Um, the cat is spread-eagled, 
Um, it's been taxidermied, <laughs> and each outstretched limb has got a little propeller on it. Right. And according to the artist, he had two cats, Orville and Wilbur, named after the famous aviators, the Wright brothers. When Orville was killed by a car, I decided to pay tribute to his lost life by giving him a new one. Electronic <laughs> life. Oh, how he loved birds. Huh. That's really weird. Is there also the Wilbur Marine, which Makes is like a submarine? <laughs> made oh, how Wilbur. he loved fish. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's such a good idea. <laughs> wow. Oh, I hope Maybe. that's real, because that is a great image, and I we'll want to look it up. We'll find out. We'll find out shortly. Okay. <clears throat> Next one. This one's a little less <laughs> wackadoo, maybe. Okay. Uh, Giant Slayer by Hank Hofstra. Um, an ancient oak in a forest in the Netherlands died uh, and was scheduled to be cut down, but instead they approved a proposal by this local artist who used apparently uh, is, is a chainsaw. Uh, you know, one of these guys that cars with chainsaws. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But for this piece of uh, artistic recycling, he used exclusively refurbished chainsaws discarded by the logging industry, uh-huh. and he carved the trunk of this tree into a beanstalk. Like the one in the classic fairy tale of Jack the Giant Slayer. Commentary on death and life and all sorts. Okay. Makes you think. It does make you think. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Finally, we have Mark Jenkins's Under the Rainbow in Sweden, 2008. And apparently this artist is known for, among other pieces, a series of art installations in which he dresses up mannequins... Uh, as realistic people in Mm -hmm. clothes and everything, except for trifling details uh, like detached heads stuck in walls or like floating a few metres away or stuff like that. So Under the Rainbow basically looks like a corpse floating in a river under a bridge. Uh... (laughs) And I've no idea how he doesn't get arrested for like wasting police time because legit that's just that's what it looks like. Huh. Most of them, it's like, okay, that's eerie. Like, you turn a corner and there's just, like, a person with their head, like, stuck in a concrete wall. That's weird. Mm-hmm. You stop, but then you realise, okay, they're motionless. It's probably a sculpture. But this one is just floating under a bridge. So what are you supposed to think? I don't know. Makes okay. you think, though. Yeah, I mean, that's quite cool. Uh, wow. Okay. I'm looking forward to looking up some of these <laughs> afterwards. Mm-hmm. You'll be disappointed by one of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, what were they again? Uh, so we have chairs, a uh, stack of wooden chairs, the Orville Copter, taxidermy cat turned into a drone, um, giant slayer, a dead oak turned into a giant beanstalk using uh-huh. refurbished chainsaws, and under the rainbow, a uh, mannequin that looks like a dead guy under a bridge. I am going to go with... Oh, giant slayer, because it's well too clever. <laughs> it it's seemed, too tame. Again, it seemed too well thought out. Ah, God, it's difficult. You didn't just stack a load of chairs. <laughs> I should have done. It would have been so much easier. Yeah. Oh, well done. Oh. You're two for oh, two. Yes. I get to stay on next week for the podcast. <laughs> you do. Oh, I'll ask you one of these days. <laughs> Imagine if this was a winner stays on thing. We had to keep rotating hosts. God, that'd be Gosh. exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I've made it through. I'm happy. Uh, are you ready for the, the final four? The remains unbroken. Uh, yeah, I certainly am. Okay, so uh, your first one for your consideration is Primal Secretions. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that. No. Ah, <sighs> Primal Secretions. And these are all performance <laughs> art again. Yes. No, come on. I don't want this to be urine-based or similar. 
primal secretions, though. Mm-hmm. Um, primal makes me think, like, cavemen, dinosaurs... Dinosaurs going potty, how would you make that happen? <laughs> primal secretions. Um, okay, no, you know what? We're going differently. So you get a bunch of um, statues and things with the fountains. So it's like it's a cool lion that it's roaring, but then there's like a tube in its mouth and it's spitting water out, right? Mm-hmm. This is common. Very cool. You get human statues, which is a person like painted silver or what have you in silver clothes and they stand still. This is a connection between the two. (laughs) They're standing on a podium into which have been carefully plumbed like these fountain pipes. Um, But they're like flexible plastic pipes leading up into their clothes, like their sleeves and stuff. Uh, And they're on like a rotation for like, oh, now the water's pouring out of the right sleeve. Now the water's coming out of like the ears because there's like a headdress thing, you know? And so the person is like cycling through a number of different poses and like spewing water like a fountain and they just called it something weird and gross for no reason it's actually very beautiful <laughs> oh that's pretty cool yeah. yeah although whenever i think of living statue i always think of hot fuzz i don't know if you if that springs to your mind i saw hot fuzz so long ago i can't remember what happens oh, you need to rewatch. but there's a there's a living statue that uh, makes several appearances and he is uh, horrifying <laughs> okay good stuff <laughs> okay uh so next up we have Life has its downs and downs. Oh boy. Mm. Downs and downs. So my first thought is just someone doing that thing where they're like, oh, let me go check the basement. And then they pretend to walk down the stairs. <laughs> um, it. But it's got to be a little more elaborate than that oh, <laughs> to qualify dear. as high art. So life has its downs and downs. Okay. Combination. Um extreme sports stunt and like survival stunt of the like i'm gonna sit in a perspex box for a while variety mm-hmm. um someone does a really tall bungee dive <laughs> yeah. um but then they don't get what happens at the end i've never bungeed do, do people reel you in i think they must do yeah okay they, do they catch you on the rebound maybe although i guess you'd be a bit lower or do, do you just do you do bounce bounce bounce, 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 bounce until you stop i'm pretty and sure yeah i'm pretty up. sure you just keep bouncing until you stop or, okay. or pretty much stop yeah but with this one they do the bungee jump and it's really high up and it's very impressive um and then they bounce 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 come to a stop and then they stay there upside down oh no for a long time <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah like however long you can do that feasibly where it's impressive but also not fatal gosh Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just endurance art of just hanging upside there. down. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone doing that. I heard of people being buried alive. David Blaine done a bunch of these, obviously. It's like underwater, underground. But yeah, I've never heard of anyone just hanging upside down. So yeah, there it is. that'd be that'd be pretty good because like you know you're you're jumping off, um, and it's about you know the big moment of like you know when you achieve success, and then the sort of aftermath, which no one ever focuses on, like the fact that you're just stuck hanging upside down. Yeah, just the come down. Or like the people are like, oh, life has its ups and downs, you know? And they're like, you know, even if you jump off a building, your bungee will bring you right back up. But then like, actually you end <laughs> up just down at the bottom, you know, uh-huh. Doris. It's not that easy. <laughs> Doris, she's like 85. Um... Yeah, she always dispenses <laughs> platitudes. God, I hate her. <laughs> so we'll push you off a building and she's going to dangle <laughs> for 10 days. Um, okay, the next one is called Interior Scroll. Oh, interior scroll yes gosh that's that could be any darn thing um interior scroll so they're scrolling like on computers but there's oh sorry sorry there's sorry there's two components to this one so it's interior scroll slash 
meet joy. So this is kind of it's kind of two two exhibitions, but by the same artist. Oh, good grief! Oh, no. How are you spelling meat? Is that double E? Uh, no, E A. Oh, that's much more interesting. Okay, <laughs> interior scroll and meet joy. So now I'm thinking that the interior scroll is an oblique reference to some kind of internal organ. Um, something coiled up, perhaps. The only thing I can think of in a human being that is coiled up is the cochlea in the ear, you know, that little uh-huh. snail shell-like organ. Um, so, yeah. The problem <laughs> is it's performance art. Like, I'm mm-hmm. thinking one of these things where they, like, cut up corpses. But um, if it's performance art, interior scroll meet joy. <laughs> God, that's weird. Okay, fine. Fine. We'll we'll go simpler. This is about the artist has a load of fresh meat delivered. And because of the ephemeral nature of meat, they make like the performance artist watching them make this sculpture, which has to do with, um, God, like rolling up thin slices of prosciutto. (laughs) <laughs> and other like they've got really expensive meats. meat yeah <laughs> yeah um and making like a big art attack uh meat joy interior scroll what would they it's just a big it's just their favorite you know the way people will get like they'll blow up a picture of their favorite celebrity and make it like huge but like it's a mosaic of rubik's cubes actually or like burnt toast or whatever you know it's that but it's like it's it's folded up slices of ham. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so the last one is simply called suspension. Oh, um, gosh, this is like that would be a great name for life has its downs and downs as well. But okay, so non-bungee themed this time. Suspension. Uh, you get suspension of disbelief. You get suspension of bridges. Ah. Uh... I mean, my first thought is just someone, like, tightrope walking, but that's not that interesting. So, okay, this would be something that gets the audience involved, um, not just the artist. So it would be an exhibit, it would involve, God, it's either something you have to cruise around on a ski lift or on a hoverboard. I guess it's a performance art piece. Okay. Mm. It's like a flash mobby style dance that the artist guides you through, uh, but everyone's like on hoverboards. <laughs> that can only go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you mean the ones which actually have wheels, so they're not actually hovering? Are you telling me they have actual hoverboards that hover? I think they have built a few which do it with like magnets or something. Unless Hot that, damn. yeah. But obviously, you have to be on like a metal surface. <laughs> so I thought that was strictly a Back to the Future thing. Still, so I was thinking the ones with wheels. But now I like this even more. Metal surface, obviously, very high stakes if you fall. Um, but yeah, yeah, okay. Everyone's on hovery boards, uh, presumably with knee pads and helmets. And uh, yeah, you get to just muck around for a while, and then the artist guides you through, like learning to Charleston or whatever, but while on a hoverboard. <laughs> okay. So, shall I read you some summaries? Mm. Some of these are pretty weird, so um, if you're of a sensitive disposition, maybe skip the next, uh, let's say, five minutes. <laughs> well, this so... is going to be the end of the episode anyway, right? So just yeah. just skip to the next one, dear listener. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Primal Secretions. In 1968, the artist was arrested for this piece, which involved covering his body with his own faeces and masturbating to the Austrian national anthem. 
Amazing. Now, <laughs> was the artist Austrian? Uh, unclear. I think okay. maybe from his name. I, I would love the idea that they're not even Austrian. They just picked someone <laughs> else's national anthem. Yeah. Covered in own feces and... Yeah. No, okay, that's unpleasant. And they were arrested for it. Yes, yes. Yeah. There comes is it art point... or is it um, public indecency? <laughs> exactly. And also just like... Get them some help at that stage. Uh-huh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, the line between creativity and madness is, like, a blurry one at best. But, like, there's a point when it's, like, you're being driven by, like, a sudden, you know, lightning bolt of, of inspiring uh, genius. And sometimes it's just, no, actually, that's what we would call, like, a schizophrenic episode. And you need to be taken somewhere safe and looked after. Yeah. And yeah. maybe that crosses the line. I don't know. It doesn't sound like they were actively harming themselves. Uh, as long as they took a good shower afterwards, but definitely <laughs> questionable. I imagine, yeah, they were probably hosed down in the police station. Yeah. Uh, oh god, so... imagine being the resting officer. Like, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm gonna have to like cuff cuffing, you now. boys. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, so life has its downs and downs. In 1982, this artist rigged up a giant escalator in an abandoned aircraft hangar and slowly rolled down it for 12 hours. As they rolled, the sound of custard falling from a great height was played on loop, giving the whole performance a ridiculous, surreal air. <laughs> if if you wrote that, then your bias is coming through. And if you didn't, I love that they actually had the gall to use the word ridiculous in describing someone's art piece. That's the kind of journalism we need. Um, custard falling oh, from a great dear. height. Amazing. So the escalator was going up, presumably, and the artist was just rolling down it as it went up. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So For they sort of stayed hours. in place or... I guess when they, maybe when they got to the bottom, they went back up to the top and then just went again. Maybe. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, interior scroll and meet Joy. Mm. So, interior scroll. For this performance, the artist stood naked on a table and pulled a long paper scroll out of her vagina like a tampon and read its contents. So that's that. Okay. Do we know what the contents was? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't, actually. Okay, so the meat joy has something to do with the extraction process, presumably, and not with the no, contents of the scroll. Well, no, it's kind of a link. It's it's a different piece of art that she did, um, but possibly on the same day. I'm not sure. Meat joy. Male and female dancers gleefully interacted with raw fish, poultry, and sausages, as well as fresh paint and ropes, while laughing with ecstasy. Now, were they given the drug ecstasy? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want it like it's too easy to be like oh I must have been on drugs to come up with that but um the thing is I remember being in a play one time like a student play that was you know the director had picked one of these like weird plays basically it was like surreal and there was one scene where we all had to laugh manically for like a prolonged period and I remember how difficult that was and that was like a scripted thing that we'd practiced. If someone hired you and was like, yeah, listen, your job is going to be to interact, quote unquote, with a bunch of raw meats and fish, some paint and some old rope I found, and you've got to laugh ecstatically the whole time. Yeah. That's a really tough gig unless you're on something. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't specify whether it is ecstasy the drug or just uh, a lovely time. Well, I hope they were given the drug, honestly, just to ease the <laughs> just burden. Just to get through it. <laughs> or that they were somehow having a good time, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't sound super fun to me. I, I feel like any art installation that includes the word, like, interacting in its description is being yes. lazy, frankly. You can interact with something by just sitting and looking at it. 
<laughs> anyway, whatever. Too judgmental. Next. So the last one, suspension. Ugh. In 2012, at age 66, the artists suspended themselves with 16 shark hooks through the skin no. above a giant sculpture. Their intention was to transcend the pain and become a human beyond their physical thresholds. Did did they succeed? <laughs> yes, they, they, van- in a they vanished light? in a ball of light and they were never <laughs> seen again. <laughs> Amazing. I really wonder, because I get the impression... Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to claim to have good knowledge of artists and why they do these things. Maybe they have great reasons that I just can't fathom. But there's something about a lot of these like endurance things, or like I don't, I don't know how this one's going to go, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to put it out there and we'll see what happens. Sort of, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's something premeditated about an installation or a sculpture or a painting or whatever. And some of this performance art, I kind of get the impression that it's like self therapy, like kind of like. I want to transcend my current limits and so I'm going to, well, I'm going underground for 12 hours and who knows what I'll be when I emerge sort of thing. Like a, like a caterpillar going into a chrysalis and I just, I wonder what they feel coming out of it. Like how often is it like, yes, I, I tumbled down that escalator and I'm reborn <laughs> or do they just emerge like bruised, exhausted, thirsty, just like I'm never doing that again. Art is dumb. Why would I... Yeah. You know? Or like do they come often? out like, ah, oh, I, I almost had it. One more shark <laughs> hook and I'd have been okay. But uh fifteen oh, hours no, next notes time. For next time, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they're just chasing that that whatever it is. Like I'm I'm fascinated by the kind of mind structure you'd need to have for that to be the way you chase your high. Because we're all chasing something. Hmm. And, you know, for some people it's like the next heroin hit or whatever, and like I understand heroin, not through personal experience, but like <laughs> it makes sense. I don't understand where the high is coming from with the shark hooks, but I yeah. I hope they get what they're looking for. Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, that was the four. I'll recap them quickly. Primal Please. secretions, Austrian national anthem guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Life has its downs and downs is the escalator with the custard sounds. Mm. Interior scroll is the uh, pulling a long paper scroll out of the vagina. And mm-hmm. meat joy is the raw fish and sausages thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and suspension is obviously shark hook man. Do we know what sculpture he was hovering over? No. Okay. <laughs> I do not. Okay, sculpture. <laughs> Fine. Um, I'm actually going to go with Life Has Its Downs and Downs. Damn it. (laughs) Really? We're too good at guessing. Ah. Clearly, we're we're not very good at making up art, or rather, our art makes too much sense. Or we just know each other too well at this point. Possibly, yeah. Maybe Hype for Fakicals is just, uh, we're doomed to always get them right now. Maybe. Because I was rubbish at guessing for a long time, and I think as of last time, I've started getting them right, which is eerie for me. Um, okay, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know, but that one read like you being deliberately absurd in the vein of other <laughs> artists being equally absurd so like i don't know why it stood out to me but the custard noises were were a great touch <laughs> i liked that i just like that image yeah uh, so yeah. good and the bruising that you'd get oh yeah it would be painful it would mm-hmm. be very painful because those like metal teeth on the escalator not good yeah you'd want to be wrapped in something but then the felt maybe in felt yeah presume and have an ambulance nearby how convenient <laughs> Gosh, uh, what a world, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, the, sus- the suspension thing was real. Uh, mm. Which is horrifying, as was Primal Secretions, so hooray. What are the artist's names, in case people want to look them up? Uh, so, uh, I'll go through all of them. So, uh, the Coyote guy uh, was Joseph Boys. Mm. And, oh, strange, B-E-U-Y-S this time. B-E-U. Uh, shoot was Chris Burden. Self-portrait was Yayoi Kusama. 
Um, obviously, transfusion was fake, but I made up his name as Heinrich Voss. Nice. Um, primal secretions was Gunter Bruss, so possibly Austrian. Uh, life has its downs and downs. The fake artist was Pat Brunt. Um, interior scroll Meet Joy was Carolee, or maybe Carol? Carolee? Schneeman? Um, <laughs> and suspension, he's just called Stellark. Stellark? Yeah. Stellark! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a human who has already transcended his limits, honestly. <laughs> that would be a very different um, streetcar named Desire, wouldn't it? If she's suspended uh, <laughs> above the stage. Maybe one day all art will be suspended from shark hooks, you know? Because like, if he's figured out the formula, if that's the way you transcend humanity, yeah. then, you know, how could we go back? He's attached himself with shark hooks and he's transformed into a crocodile human. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By lightning. His final form. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, a very, very quickly, I'll run through mine just in case people are super keen and want to look him up. Uh, Red Bull Project was uh, Kurt Pershke, P E R S C H K E. Uh, Thirst was fake, but the artist was Anton Ruthridge. Uh, Rabbit was by the Australian art collective uh, Gelatin or Gelatin, G E L I T I N. And apparently, uh-huh. Rabbit is also referred to as Haze, but it's spelled H A S E, and I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Um, okay. And it's an Australian art collective, so it wouldn't be a foreign word unless it's some Australian slang. Who knows? Uh, the Lego house is actually James May of uh, Top Gear what? fame. Yeah. So <laughs> this guy, normally known for liking cars and being like a TV funny man, uh, just decided, you know what I'm going to do? A really high concept piece I like to call Lego house. Wow. Yeah, what a world. Sorry, uh, and then they just demolished it at the end. That's sad. With chainsaws, apparently, yeah. Just like, I honestly feel like that's littering. Like, I'm just... <laughs> as someone who occasionally attempts to make art myself, I'm like incensed by the idea that some people get paid ridiculous amounts to just like leave stupid amounts of plastic places. And yes. just... And just Or just like destroy stuff. And that's the point of it. Yeah, it's bothersome, honestly. I, I, we need more art pieces that are like, yeah, you know, it's a really high concept thing. I like cleared this whole stretch of beach. Just really makes you think. Or at least like pick up the litter and then turn that into a sculpture or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the kind of art I could support. Um, Before I Die was Candy Chang. Chairs by Doris uh, Salcedo or Salcedo. Uh, the Overcopter, I think I mentioned, was Bart Jensen. Or possibly Jensen. I've got to spell two ways. I need to ways. watch a video of that. <laughs> yeah, look it up, honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Giant Slayer Fake Again, but was by Hank Hoftra. Uh, and Under the Rainbow and uh, these other sort of dead-looking mannequins uh, by Mark Jenkins. Well, there we go. We've learned that um, me and Adriano can no longer fool each other. <laughs> um, and that all art is utterly bonkers. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Adriano, where can people find us online? We're all over the place, Andy. Oh, we're everywhere. Everywhere. That's right. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search for Hypotheticals. That is Hypotheticals, the weird way we spell it, but without the R. Yes, and uh, if you would like to leave us a rating on a podcast app of your choice, be that Acast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever they may be, may take some digging, but if you could leave us a five-star rating, uh, it would mean that we would get more than at least five listeners. We would love you so, so much. And please, why not tell a friend who might enjoy listening to our dulcet tones? And we will see you next time. Bye!
Sorry, I'm just looking at pictures of the Orville copter, and it is, like, frightening. Oh, you, yeah, you sent that to me, right? Uh... Yeah, I just sent you the link now, and it is... It's spooky stuff, honestly. <laughs> um... Just the cat's expression is very intense. Oh, God! Right? No! Yeah, it it's troubling. I don't like that. Like, if it was a cartoon, you'd be like, okay, that's funny. But as it stands... Oh, yeah, there's a really grim one where it's, like, quite stark light and it just looks horrified yes yeah yeah and it, it, he's kind of lumpen there's one with like a blurry tree background and um you can see on his back presumably where like the drone stuff is inside him he's like kind of a cuboid yeah it's not oh, it's just great. like a grim view of the future where we've changed <laughs> cats into these sort of cyborgs yeah because you know there were two the the hedgerow like replanting projects were too <laughs> successful and there's too many birds now so the only way for cats to hunt them efficiently <laughs> we can't like breed more sparrowhawks because we've killed them all yeah uh, they're poison extinct. or something so uh yeah just mm. we've got to make cats airborne the pigeons and the seagulls are too uppity and they're nesting up in the roof so yeah this is the only way God. At least they wouldn't bring them back into your house, I guess. I, yeah, they wouldn't be able to get through the cat flap. <laughs> Unless you have a very narrow and, like, no, not narrow, very wide and flat cat flap. That's true, but I wouldn't want that thing in my house, honestly. No, no. I, you just hear the buzz approaching. No! <laughs> get away! I loved you once, but I'm sorry, I can no longer. Yeah, and, uh, God, maybe they drop them down your chimney in protest. That's what I'm picturing. Listen, oh. I don't want to alarm you, but on this guy's website, he has done a whole lot of really weird stuff. Oh yeah, he's um, on the projects. Yeah, Das Boat is uh is he Okay, you're talking about the Wilbur Marine? No, it's a taxidermy badger. What? That swims. Yeah. No, you're kidding. Where? Uh, yeah, honestly, uh Shark Jet? What is that? Yeah. It's a flying shark. Oh god. Um... Okay. I, sir, also known as Big Bird, is watching you. Oh my, he's, a... got, he's got an ostrich copter. Oh no. <laughs> it's a giant one. Uh, he's got a chicken trophy, which is just a chicken's backside attached to like one of those trophy things, like a deer's head. Uh, That's fun. Obviously, the, yeah, the ostrich copter is enormous as well. I haven't found that yet. Hang on. Oh god, Shark Jet is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's just got a big old jet turbine stuck on its oh, back. Oh no! I've just found Roadkill Big Bird, where it's Big Bird from Sesame Street, but with like his guts spilling out. I don't like that, and I don't like Ostrich Copter. No, it's awful. Isn't it? Oh no! It's the way the neck is extended forwards. Like that is an aggressive pose. He's coming for you. Yeah. Oh yeah, Roadkill Big Bird is horrifying. Come on, that's just unpleasant. Oh, okay. And he made a little friend for Orville Copter. Standalone flying rat. Flies and crashes every minute. Oh. So that's fun. Um, he's also got some paintings. He's got the lovers, which... A wedding gift. It's a oh. woman in high heels. And I guess it's a thing, like, you know, um, uh, when there, were t when there was only one set of footprints along the beach, that was when Jesus was carrying you. But yeah. it's the opposite. This woman is carrying Jesus. I think it's Jesus. <laughs> and they're looking at each other. They're sharing a tender glance, let me tell I mean, you. That's, that's quite fun. What's less fun is the one I've just found, which is called Mice Paradise, mm. which is... So just a reminder for listeners, if you want to check this out, it's Bart Janssen. Janssen. Mm -hmm. um, 
It's like a kid, you know the kids' puzzles where you've got to like fit the pieces into the wooden slots. Mm-hmm. It's that, but with squashed mice. Ah, oh, come on, squashed. Yeah, that's like dead, savage. Dead, dead squashed mice. Okay, great. Uh, oh, he's got another cool painting though. It's it's uh, apparently the Last Supper called the Last Dishes, and it shows Jesus using. Is that what they have in like restaurants? I guess. He's washing dishes using some kind of, like, pressure hose. <laughs> right. So okay. that's fun. Oh, and I found another one, which is like, uh, oh gosh, it's Jesus, but he, like, on the cross. But he's got, like, a power drill, and he's screwing a nail into his hand. Oh, okay. I mean, that's empowering, I guess. He's taking ownership of his situation. Oh, maybe, is he, do- is he doing it to get out, or is he doing it to... Oh, that's a good oh, question. Oh yeah, Maybe he's is. removing it, because there's a second image where he's like... Looks like he's getting off. Uh, oh, he's taking the one out of his, his foot next, yeah. Or, I don't know, I read it the other way, honestly, because um, in that image, in the he doesn't yet have a drill hole in his hand. Oh, that's true. I think he's climbing on, I think he's attaching himself to the cross. I don't so like that. It's good for our Easter episode. Make of that what you will, ladies <laughs> oh, and gentlemen. Yeah. Happy Easter, everyone. I'm not going to claim to have great knowledge of uh, artists and why they do these things. Ah, thank you, motorbike guy, for that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Now I know how cool you are. Um, Okay, let me um, arrange it all so I don't need to scroll because that is always a problem with my loud-ass mouse. (laughs) Why is that so weirdly? A loud-ass mouse? That sounds like a German person. Laudas Maus, yeah, he's, he's my name Laudas Maus. <laughs> That's right. I invented the computer keyboard. <laughs> you bastard! Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. Um, it's probably a good blooper. Wait, what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> 